On this edition of the program, what I miss. And Bill Share joins to assure everybody that regardless of all the noise, when it comes to Joe Biden's chances in 2024, this is fine. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for Wednesday, November 27th, 2023. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you here in Austin, Texas. I am back, baby, and I'm better than ever. Took a little trip to the UK, London, Liverpool. It took the the, the most famous airport exchange I've ever had in my life. I used to travel for business. I've been to a lot of airports, but never in my life have I gone from John Lennon International Airport in Liverpool to Nikola Tesla International Airport in Belgrade, Serbia. Took a little trip through the Balkans. It was a good time, but I've got a little potpourri here for you to start things off just to get reacquainted again. Uh, This is going to be an absolute shotgun blast of a podcast over the next few weeks and months as we are dead into primary season. We are in the thick of the 2024 election already, but just for a little, uh, a little amuse bouche, just, just to recalibrate the system. Here are things that I noticed abroad and takes that I missed When I was gone. Number one. Things that I noticed in Europe that are different than things the way we do them here in America. And this is more specifically to the Balkans, but I would also say to the UK and and Ireland Immigration's a big deal out there. And and I, I want to actually have somebody on to talk about immigration from a European perspective so we can compare and contrast to some of the conversations and arguments and points that we make here in America. But I want to draw a, a very specific circle around the Balkans. The Balkans from their their starting point of Yugoslavia have fought and killed each other so much to set up borders between themselves that the term balkanization exists which is to make a big thing into smaller things and as you might imagine Immigrate or sorry, uh, uh, genetics plays a lot into that. Religion plays a lot into that. Culture plays a lot into that. In a way that I don't really think the American perspective fully plugs in. It's like 
Windows and Mac. You can get some of the same ideas uh, across, but at the end of the day, it's a fundamentally different OS. In a lot of our American conversations, culture is something that gets into icky territory because it tends to violate something that is fully ingrained in America, which is progress. We want to change. We want to evolve. We want to get better. Even those that yearn for the good old days, uh, whether or not they existed, are still happy they have Facebook, are still happy that they have a new car, are still happy that Wi-Fi exists. And it's different out there, at least in the conversations that I had, not to say that it's in any way more, you know, racist or, or not. It, it just is something that they've fought so much over that it has to mean something. The language, although they are nearly identical, needs to mean something between Serbia and Croatia. And they have forgotten none of it for the record. When we flew into Nikola Tesla Airport, on our way in to Belgrade, there is graffiti on an overpass that says, Kosovo is Serbia. Now, most Americans remember Kosovo from the conflict that happened with NATO in the late 90s. But Kosovo has, quote unquote, seceded. It's still not officially seceded, but it is in this limbo in 2008, that happened nearly a decade after that. Oh, by the way, the NATO incursion in the 90s. Oh, they haven't forgot about that one either. No, 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 no. There's a bombed out building that they have left bombed out. There is a uh, a banner that I saw. This is downtown Belgrade pointing out the war crimes of Bill Clinton and Tony Blair. But let's pull it out of the Balkans for a second and point to what's happening in Ireland. You know, Ireland is, is, you know, it was in flames over the weekend over an immigration issue. If you come across the Atlantic and look at the United States of America, Questions about immigration have gone from being a Republican issue to being a bipartisan issue. If even just on the idea of how many people are coming in, especially to some of these blue cities, and how are we going to take care of them? So I'm just going to put a pin in that immigration. Immigration is a very, very, very big hot topic in. Europe, and I want to learn more about it. This is a personal one. Covering U.S. politics and then going to Europe, and I'll say specifically London, is like having a superpower. It's great. It's amazing. I, I would encourage anybody who who follows American politics in a very, very... uh you know, obsessive way like we do on this show. Go ahead and, and and just understand that you've watched all of The Sopranos. 
And for them, they're only on season three. You just know more. So fun story. I'm in the news building, not the news corp building, but uh, visiting our our friends at uh, Stories of Our Times podcast. This is the Sunday Times daily podcast hosted by Manveen Rana. Salute to Manveen. Uh, she's great. But uh, I was getting a tour of the whole building. And then we sat down and ate lunch. And like, I know so many more Joe Biden gaffes than they do. I got to introduce Joe Biden gaffes to them, <laughs> which was just great. It was just amazing to be able to, to say they didn't know where's Jackie. They didn't know where's Jackie. And I was able to tell them the where's Jackie gaff. So that's just, it's just fun. It's just fun for me. Number three thing I learned about Europe. They can't believe it's Trump or Biden either. That was the, the, the things that were universal in my conversations. Biden is that old. And oh my God, is it really going to be Trump and Biden? Can you really, really, you're going to run it back. They are as baffled by the doth protest too much election as, as much as you or I friends, as much as you or I. And then this one's outside of politics, but I just want to just thank uh, whatever higher power you subscribe to that the open AI story, which I happen to know a bunch of people that work in open AI. I did contract work for open AI that blows up while we are in Zagreb, Croatia to the benefit of all the Croatians that don't know English. Cause it's all me and my wife talked about. And there was a moment where I thought between the revelry and the fact that I was in a different continent, that my wife was lying to me when she woke me up in the morning and said her old boss at Twitch was now the new CEO of open AI. I'm like, surely I'm dreaming. This is a simulation. No, turns out the world was crazy. So uh, if you want more of my thoughts on the open AI stuff, uh, go listen to the We're Not Wrong episode that came out last week uh, because I talked all about it. Now let's get into things that I missed. Two big things. One I'm happy I missed, one that I'm upset I missed. Oh boy, while it was amazing for Tom Merritt to be able to do a campaign undertaker, for me not to write an obituary for the presidential ambitions of Tim Scott. Oh, he just introduced his girlfriend. We finally met his girlfriend at the last debate. And then he was out. He was out. Now we said he was out. We knew he was going to be out. I told you through October, I smelled the stench of death in this primary. I knew that there were multiple people that were going to drop out. Tim Scott had the friendliest place to go back to. He still gets to be a senator. He can polish up and run again uh, next cycle because there's going to be another uh, Republican crop that'll be able to run at that point, win or lose for Donald Trump. So. Smart for him to get out. Now, the only question that people ask me, who's next? 
Well, when you look at the money that's still in this race, number one, uh, for, for the love of uh, everything holy, Asa Hutchinson, what are you doing, buddy? What are you doing? You just ruined Evan Scrimshaw's failed candidate fantasy draft. Uh, just, it's about time. Nobody even remembers you. By the time that you drop out, it's going to be who? Asa Hutchinson? But there's a lot of money in this race now. The Coke empire just backed Haley. The DeSantis people are frustrated about it. There's a lot of money for DeSantis. Obviously, a gigantic amount of money for Trump. I think this is going to be a two primary. Hit it and quit it. We got Iowa. We got New Hampshire. I'll be in all the primaries that matter. So if if, if they extend into Vegas, they extend into South Carolina, then that I'll, I'll be there. But I think this stuff is going to wrap up pretty quick. But I don't think Haley's dropping out. I don't think Christie's dropping out until after New Hampshire. I don't think DeSantis is dropping out until after Iowa. Which leaves one. One candidate that has been on the debate stage that could drop out before Iowa. And that, my friends, is Vivek. I don't believe that Vivek will drop out because he does not think that he is doing a good job. Although I think there's enough polling evidence to say that Americans did take a good look at him. The Republican primary electorate took a good look at him and said, no, they weren't particularly into the Twitch debate format when it came to selecting the leader of the free world. That's fine. Vivek's young. But if there's one thing that Vivek does know, There is one thing that Vivek knows very well, and that is how to make a splash, how to be the showman. He understands, not quite Schumer-esque, the ability to step in front of a camera and make himself the star. So, you think about it. How can you do that? Well, You could peg it to a news item, something that is Donald Trump being persecuted. And you can say, you want to know what? I've seen enough. I've seen enough. I believe that my run for presidency is absolutely legitimate. I think that that my call to public service will indeed continue. However, the battle lines are drawn. I am surrendering my campaign. I am suspending my campaign so I can pick up arms for Donald Trump because it is an absolute travesty that he is being persecuted like this. I could see that happening before Iowa because he's going to get waxed in Iowa. So, you know, you mint yourself where you were always going to eventually be. Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be the hype man for Trump rallies uh, from now until November or whenever he quits until November. And he's going to do great. Everyone's going to love him. He's going to be a gigantic super surrogate for Trump. But why not do it before you lose? 
because you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And the thing that I was happy I did not have to cover was, of course, the war with uh, Israel and Gaza. I had one thought, and I said it in the, um, the Patreon. But I'll say it again here. That uh, oh, another thing that we missed: Rosalind Carter uh, died, first lady to Jimmy Carter, and Jimmy Carter sits now a widower in hospice in Georgia. And I don't know how much Jimmy Carter watches the news. I don't know how much he ruminates. But if he does watch the news, if he does follow politics. I wonder if Jimmy Carter would think, really? Every day we're not talking about the hostages. We're not like inventing new television shows to talk about the American hostages. Really? Not every single day. Not, not, oh, we're going to make new celebrities because they talk about the hostages that were captured in the Middle East that are Americans. Really? Okay. Okay. Because, you know, back in the day, things may have been different. Things may have been different for old James. But back when I was president, boy, could people not talk about these hostages enough. It was every single night. A line of content, a night line of content talking about the hostages every single day. Okay. Well, you know, good for you, Joe. Good for you. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go to get bonus content, and it is the sponsor of this update. Oh, baby. Uh, uh, guys, you know that I'm an absolute nerd. I'm a dweeb when it comes to political content. There's a reason why I'm doing this podcast, because if I weren't recording it into a microphone, I would just be annoying my wife. And there are many of you that are like me. Absolute neck bearded, Cheeto dusted nerds, geeks for this stuff. And I know, you know, that there's been a lot of you that have continued to support this show between the last election and this campaign. And I love you. Thank you. But I also know there's a bunch of you looky loos, folks who dropped off a little bit. You know, throughout the last three years. And I don't blame you. This is not something that you should be paying attention for as much as I do. It's unhealthy for me to do it. But I do it for you. And that means it's my duty to inform you that now's the time you need to get on our Patreon. Get our bonus content. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Because you want to know what? Here's what's going to happen. I I can see into the future. I know what's going to happen. We're in the season where a lot of news is going to happen very, very quickly. And a lot of people, when news happens, are going to say, oh, my God, oh, my God, are you going to cover? 
And I'm going to tell you on social media, yeah, I already covered it at length. It's on a Patreon episode. It just fell in between when we do our twice weekly episodes. Just save yourself the hassle. Go to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Get your custom RSS feed. You enter it in to the podcatcher of your choice, the, the app that you are using to listen to me right now. Set it and forget it. All the episodes just pop up right there in your feed. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Let's get into your update. Hey, by the way, DeSantis versus Newsom is happening this week. Thursday evening on Sean Hannity's program on Fox News Channel. Gavin Newsom's team has already begun to set expectations low, saying that it will be a two-on-one affair. Hannity's not going to be an even broker, but brave, brave Sir Gavin will march into the belly of the beast and he will do his best. Meanwhile, Hannity is very, very conciliatory to Newsom, who he's had on the show a couple times now. Quote, I'm into mixed martial arts and anybody who steps into the octagon, I have deep respect for because you're stepping into a war. This is one of those moments where you have two heavyweights in the political arena that are going to have an opportunity to go head to head and talk about substantive real issues and governing philosophies that affect everyone's lives. If I'm going to handicap this, I will say that DeSantis is probably more of a preparer than Newsom. It'll be interesting to see DeSantis being able to fight from a position where he has full confidence. He's often in the Republican debates felt like the best way to split the difference between attacking Donald Trump and talking about his own issues is just to go to his own biography and try to explain himself to the Republican electorate. But that's not what this is going to be. This is going to be him absolute machine gunning a target for which almost all Republican voters can agree on, which is that Gavin Newsom is a bad governor of California, flipping it around. Ron DeSantis is not quite the villain that he was a year and a half ago. He's been neutered a little bit. He's he's not Ron DeSatan. He's the silly short man on Ozempic with uh, three-inch heels. Newsom has not had a live debate battle in a while. DeSantis has done it a few times now. So while I believe Newsom is going to do the Newsom moves of talking about his record and talking about how awful, I mean, he has, he has really, really, really been aggressive toward DeSantis. I think DeSantis will have an edge in this. Now, does it matter? Will it affect, you know, the Republican primary? Probably not. But either way, I think Donald Trump is going to send out an email and a tweet and a truth saying that Newsom won. Hamas has released a fourth group of hostages on Monday, just hours after Israel and Hamas agreed to extend the pause in the fighting in Gaza by two days. By the time that you listen to this, there will likely be another tranche of hostages released. 
Hamas released 11 Israelis, nine children and two women under the deal with Israel. 33 Palestinians, mostly children, were released from Israeli prisons later that same day. The Israeli hostages released Monday were from the Near Oz Kibbutz. The Israeli kibbutz that suffered the most devastating attack on October 7th, about one in every four residents of that kibbutz was either killed or kidnapped. The extension, which is the first from the initial deal, will allow for the release of 20 more Israeli hostages, 10 for each day of the pause, in addition to the 50 who are freed as part of the initial ceasefire. Israel will also allow more aid trucks into Gaza and release three Palestinian prisoners for every additional hostage released as it did under the current deal. I don't really know what the contours of this war look like. One of, or at least past these hostage uh, uh, releases, it is pretty clear that Hamas wants to keep this ceasefire for as long as possible because they hope international pressure builds on Israel to not start again. Hamas's goal is to survive in this case. Whereas Israel's in a bit of a tricky situation. Public support is for the release of the hostages and whatever needs to happen to secure that. But at the same time, everybody in the IDF and the government need to kill at least the Gaza chief of Hamas. And thus far, that has not happened. And finally, here's another story that I really, really, really regret not being able to talk to you guys about. Speaker Mike Johnson on Monday said he spoke to embattled representative George Santos, quote, at some length during the holiday recess about his options, quote unquote. The lawmaker faces a third vote on his expulsion and one that Santos said in a fiery ex spaces session over the weekend he expects to lose because to quote the man himself he can count the conversation comes after the house ethics committee released its long awaited report on santos which found that the congressman quote violated federal criminal laws and used campaign funds for personal purchases including trips to las vegas and atlantic city botox and payments to only fans a subscription platform that is largely used for adult content. Oh, George. So really the question here is, does George Santos resign? I assume that Mike Johnson was doing his best to tell Santos it would be better. You're not running for reelection. It's better for you to resign than it is for you to get expelled Uh, It seems like Santos wants to go down as a martyr, and we'll have to see how that plays out. And that's your update. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go to sign up at the $3 level. You get two bonus episodes each and every week, one on Monday, one on Thursday. Come on, friends. Join the club. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Our guest today is no stranger to the program, and he is the first guest in our push to look at candidates in this race and explain why their vulnerabilities 
are just a mirage. The This Is Fine series begins with the President of the United States of America, Joe Biden, and no better voice, in my opinion, to help break down why his vulnerabilities may or may not stick through the election than our pal, Washington Monthly's own, Bill Scher. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Always a pleasure to be with you. Now, what we're, we're trying, I'm back from vacation. I'm doing my yep. best to sort of reset here because I think the one of the last times we talked about was the absolute absence of a Republican primary. So we're, we're, we seem to be going through some of the motions uh, uh, over the next few weeks. I'm going to be doing a similar idea for some of the Republican candidates to say, OK, historically, if this were going to turn around, how does it turn around from here? But we're going to start with this. This is fine series with the president of the United States of America, because while I was in Europe, there was quite a lot of concern about Mr. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, he His birthday was something that a lot of people talked about abroad. Uh, uh, certainly his age, a major topic. We have, uh, you know, pretty, pretty bad approval uh, rating currently on Real Clear Politics Average. It's at 14.7 to compare it to uh, President Trump at this time. He was at 9.6. Uh, and Obama How much is underwater uh, underwater. Yeah. Yeah. Under underwater by 14. Trump was underwater by 9.6 and Obama was underwater by a, a similar margin around the uh, uh, nine point uh, range. Uh, Obama rebounded. And, and that is certainly what a lot of people will say about Joe Biden. But I will ask you, Mr. Bill share. Is this fine? Is this a lot of noise that that does not have a lot of staying power uh, that, that America is yet to tune into this election? Uh, or are there for real problems that need to be addressed? I guess I'm somewhere in the middle on that. Uh, I mean, I'm still pretty bullish on Biden overall. I mean, my, my, my basic view is unchanged that. If we maintain the current economic trajectory, you still have, you know, going into first, second quarter of of next year, healthy GDP growth, low unemployment, inflation cooling, wages beating inflation as they have been. Uh, If that's the picture by the middle of next year, all history tells us is that that president gets reelected. You don't see presidents get fired yeah, yeah. when the economy is not just fantastic, but OK. You know, the economy has to be actively bad for a president to get fired. Um, now, you could argue there are wild cards here, wild cards being Biden's age, new wild card with what's happening in the Middle East. Uh, and so what we're seeing in you, know, you, you look at the Trump Biden polling. Yeah. Over the course yeah. of the past year, it's pretty stable for the most part. But you are seeing a tilt towards Trump since October 7th. So, in fact, in the real clear average, Trump's at his widest lead over Biden in national polling 
I think it's 2.6 points. 2.6 is the spread right now. I actually have it here. Uh, Biden's last poll that he led, although I did just see one that he was up by two. I think it was a YouGov poll right before we came on. But that's the first one that he has led in in a little bit. And that was a Rasmussen report uh, poll, which was Biden up four. And that was taken between the eighth and the twelfth. So we are right at the beginning. Strongest Biden pollster. Uh, God, but, you know, the, 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 the freaky Friday on, freaky on, Friday. on, on the Rasmussen poll. Right. Um, but, uh, but when you look at that, when you look at that real clear average over the course of the past several months, you'll see the, the, the range of uh, outcomes is pretty narrow. You're talking yeah. essentially Biden up one or Trump up one in, in the average. Uh, yeah. So the yeah. fact that Trump is now up 2.6, we're, we're so hypersensitive to any kind of poll movement. It's causing a v- very strong wave of panic. How could this possibly be? How could it possibly be that Donald Trump, who is on trial in multiple places, uh, yeah. who is speaking in more overtly authoritarian terms. How could it possibly be that he's expanded his lead uh, in this period? Uh, And it's because you're seeing uh, a softening of Biden support with younger voters uh, in the aftermath of October 7th. uh, And we're seeing a generational divide in the entire Middle East uh, uh, view where you see much stronger sympathy uh, for Palestinians, much stronger sympathy for Hamas uh, amongst younger <laughs> voters than the electorate uh, generally. It would be pretty unusual for a foreign policy matter that did not involve American troops on the ground yeah. to be a determining factor in a presidential election. There's, uh, there's one example I, I, that, that that kind of is relevant here uh, that I'm happy to tell you a long story about. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you don't see such a, an international issue determine an election at the end of the day. So I would think, and, and I grant that there are people saying, I'm not going to forget. I'm so angry about this. I'm not going to forget. You hear this particularly with uh, Arab Americans in Michigan, where the Arab community is a significant voting block, I'm not going to yeah. forget. I, I'm not going to tell you, oh, sure, they'll forget. And that's not my place to say. Uh, but historically speaking, history says don't forget. The economy tends to end up being more paramount. Uh the only thing that I would say for Biden specifically when it comes to foreign policy is his <laughs> approval rating went underwater for the first time and has yet to recover after Afghanistan. Yep. And and that was something where I think the veil was sort of lifted on Joe Biden, the adult who's going to clean up the mess of the child that was Donald Trump. This went as bad as people could expect for, uh, you know, from from a layman's uh, point of view, people hanging off the the landing gear of 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 planes leaving Afghanistan, leaving Kabul, trusting the Taliban to get everybody out. That was something that that was looked at as a, a disaster. In fact, and it's something that I've had conversations with over the last few weeks, when you look at 
a very, very, very ugly exit from Afghanistan, a protracted war where Russia was aggressive toward Ukraine that is now in somewhere between a stalemate and uh, a fluid war. I'll let the scholars decide exactly where we are right now. And what we're seeing, the most explosive violence in Israel and Gaza in my lifetime uh, as a 40-year-old, that's the foreign policy record that I think most people would have said in 2016 when Donald Trump was elected. That would have been his foreign policy. <laughs> that that would have been the result of an amateur on the it, on 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 the, the 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 seat of power and specifically when it came to Russia being more aggressive that was almost the narrative that was being set up that this was going to happen so the the question of this not necessarily just being oh we care about these foreign entanglements uh, I, I agree with you there I don't in generally think that 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 foreign wars do but I do think that it has been at least if you look at how everything uh, Biden's approval rating has reacted each time one of these things have happened, aside from the beginning of the Ukraine war, when he was given credit for calling it out, it does seem to erode his perspective of being the steady hand at the wheel. Uh, I, I don't disagree with that. I would only add that. I mean, if we had, if it was the case that the Afghanistan debacle happened, but we never had an inflationary spike, Gas never hit five dollars a gallon. Yes. Uh, there yes. never was a uh, messy process where build back better tanked and it didn't get safe until a, a year later. If none of that stuff happened, I because we don't really talk about Afghanistan very much anymore, because generally speaking, no. That's that happened half a world away that yeah. uh, that are continually. I mean, that case of Afghanistan did involve American troops. Americans did die in Afghanistan. Yeah, but it wasn't yep. an ongoing issue because the Americans got pulled out. Uh, those tends, things tend to be forgotten. You know, Reagan had the Lebanon bombing, killing Marines in 1983, year three of his presidency. And it's not like Walter Mondale didn't bring it up in 1984. He sure did. Yeah. Uh, but the economy was going gangbusters by 1984. And so it ended up being not. So nobody cared. Factor. So if the economy, so the issue is that Biden held himself up as the adult, as a person who's going to end chaos, but beginning with Afghanistan, multiple events occurred afterward. It's been sort of one, one you know, bad curve after another. And so he's never been able to re in, in the public perception, regain his footing and feel like, okay, I know this guy's on top of things. Add to that, the fact that he looks old, he sounds old. Yes. I know Trump is not all that much younger, but the vibe is different. All of that, I think conspires to soften his numbers, particularly with uh, younger voters. Having said all of that, I'm not arguing it means that he is uh, sure to lose a year from now because a year from now, the a better economy might be more better felt. These uh, violence in the Middle East might not be as acute, uh, and the fear you have about what Biden's age, the, the 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 image of Biden's age may not feel as pronounced if other things are getting better. Oh, you know what? Maybe he is the the wise guy who can who rode out these tough spots and didn't let it and didn't lose his cool. And that Trump guy is now talk is getting more and more and hinges as we go along. So it's very hard to project out a year from now 
how people are going to make the binary comparison yeah. between Biden and Trump, which we which we, we assume the contest is going to be, versus now where Biden's weaknesses are much more in your face and Trump is amazingly not the front page story at the moment. Well, yeah, except when he is. But but uh, yeah. all right. Before we get into the age thing, because that is the the 800 pound gorilla, as it were. Let's talk about the economy. It sounds like from what you are saying that you are a believer in the idea of planning your flag and Bidenomics will eventually pay off. That while all these key indicators and you are absolutely right in terms of low inflation and GDP and uh, 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 those are going well. However, the news doesn't seem to have made it to the American public who repeatedly believe that things are worse off now than they were four years ago when the guy who is going to be saying, well, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Isn't just a guy from the same party. It's the same guy, which is rare in, in, in American politics, especially in this day and age. Do you believe that, that, that the Bidenomics strategy betting on the economy is going to eventually pan out? This is a long-term bet. Well, I think that the economy, regardless of the messaging involved, just the the actual reality of the economy, seems to be the strongest indicator of whether incumbents get reelected or not. Yes. The only incumbents that have lost in the last 100 years, Herbert Hoover, Jimmy Carter, George H.W. Bush, uh, and Donald Trump, not Ken Gerald Ford. He was not an elected incumbent. Um, the, The other four all had bad economies, slightly different, slightly different uh, reasons why they were bad. You yes. know, who was a bonafide depression. Uh, Jimmy Carter had these, the stagflation mm-hmm. of high inflation and high unemployment. H.W. Uh, uh, Bush was actually technically out of recession. Yeah. But the unemployment number was still rising even after the recession was technically over. So that was still being felt. In uh, mid-1992, and Donald Trump's economy was a byproduct of the pandemic. COVID, Um, yeah. So uh, those are all pretty dramatic events uh, that we're not seeing right now. Right now, we're having some inflation hangover. We had very bad inflation in 21 and 22. Yeah. Uh, And sure, inflation cooling doesn't mean that prices collapse and go back to where they were in 2020. But keep in mind, wages are going up right now. A personal disposable household income is going up relative to inflation. Uh, so, again, if that continues, uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily a messaging uh, challenge for Biden. I think just the facts on the ground are going to help him, which what's tricky for the politician, what's tricky for the messenger yeah. is how do you uh, communicate that? And not seem out of touch, because on one hand, you'd say, well, look, if you're going ahead of people's current felt experience, you seem out of touch. Yes. You seem like you're trying to sell them a bill of goods and uh, and don't really connect with how they're feeling. Uh, On the other hand, there is uh, this has been long established a bad news bias. The media is sort of attracted to the story of people feeling frustrated about the economy. I just I just commented on social media. There's a New York Times t- story today about how even Biden voters feel bad about the economy. And they profiled uh, a, a couple ages 21 and 20 who bought a one-story, one-bedroom house and frustrated at what the cost was. And my reaction was, 
you are 20 years old and you bought a house. That is, <laughs> that is stunning. Well, I mean, also just, just, you know, uh, uh, Sports Illustrated uh, yesterday just got busted for writing uh, AI stories. If you could program <laughs> ChatGPT to write that feature for the New York Times, that is the most New York Times story. Biden well, voters, but, 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 but Biden voters are, are are frustrated on the economy. Let's focus on the 21 year old who bought a brownstone in Brooklyn uh, and and let Georgia. them boohoo. This was, this was in a college town in Georgia. <laughs> okay, okay, well, good for them. Um, so. So that's a that's a that's a perception challenge. Uh, well, so, that, that's certainly the White House's perspective, though, that, that this is a perception. And what needs to change is people just need to understand they need to get through their head that this economy is is had challenges, but is now recovering. It is recovering better than global uh, comparisons. And it is because of the wise stewardship of Joe Biden that this is happening. But that's that's the bet on Bidenomics. Uh, uh, that that you are well, planning your flag in, in, in a way that, that will continue. You're, you're going to get all that good news if indeed this happens, as you are saying. The trick for tricky part for Biden is because there is bad news bias. If you don't communicate the good news, you can't expect it's going to be reported at all. So there is, I think, a legitimate incentive for the White House to push to go against that media grain and force that information out there. Even if it's going to get mixed into stories about, oh, Biden's out of touch, no one's buying it. Otherwise, those data points don't get in the mix. And then over time, again, assuming the trajectory continues, you will eventually get stories about how Biden stuck to his game plan. You know, he kept his shoulder to the grindstone. Things are starting to turn. Uh, It's it's the only way. I mean, otherwise, you if you're not telling your story, nobody else is. Yeah. Do you think, though, that there is if we're just to take a snapshot right now, let's take the long term out of it. Let's just be very, very prisoner of the moment. The messaging that I have seen feels a little like when Apple had that problem with the radio antenna and, and they said, you know, you're holding it wrong, that there's 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 a there's a real you're holding it wrong about the economy right now, because I do think that they're far ahead of what a lot of Americans are feeling in terms of the effects of inflation. Like th- this is, this was not transitory. This, this was a big, big, big spike that is going to live with us for the next several years as wages continue to catch up. And, and we hope that that does hit a level where, where things even out. And certainly Joe Biden hopes that that momentum continues to go closer, you know, <laughs> you know to, to, to the summer and into the fall. So by the time people go to the polls, they, they have rosier uh, thoughts about whether or not they can afford their groceries. But right now there's a lot of angst and, yeah, and, and it is bipartisan people. You can't tell people you think the economy is bad and you're wrong and I'm right. Like that, that exactly. Work. That doesn't work. Uh, and I don't think Biden's doing that, but the, you, you have to be careful that what you're doing doesn't come across like that. Uh, I think, and, and maybe this is something that the White House is not doing as forcefully as, as I would. You got to be honest about the, about the arc. Yeah. You have to acknowledge you know, we had a big inflationary spike. Now, maybe you don't want to say it's and it's my fault. No. Uh, maybe you want to uh, communicate in a way that is, uh, you know, when I came in office, the world was a colossal mess. Uh, the pandemic had ravaged 
not just America, but the world. Uh, supply chains were disrupted. Everything had gone haywire. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that Americans were able to uh, sustain uh, their place uh, during these hard times. And that's why we passed the American Rescue Plan. Uh, and, I, and while that happened, we suffered uh, awful inflation, not just here, but across the world. Uh, but because we had a game plan that invested in the American people, we're now doing better. Our inflation is going down, and in a lot of places in the world, it, it, it is not because we had a game plan and we stuck to it. Uh, I'm not saying these are like the perfect magical rhetorical words. That sure, we, yeah, 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 yeah. But but this story that you want to tell that we we got through the tough times together. I was handed uh, a flaming turd. Yeah, and we got the tough times together because we had a game plan that invested in the strength of the American people. I do think that they had that they surrendered some of the high ground when they did not when, when they were pushing the idea of oh, it's transitory, transitory. It's not going to stick around. This isn't this isn't that big of a deal. Uh, uh, you know, this is Putin's price hike that, that you know, like, look, this was all, all, all that stuff. Was, that that was that was all bad messaging. Yes, uh, it was way too optimistic and it was just factually wrong. It's not what happened. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, you, know, you can't do and, and, and look. And I think they made. I think they had a substantive problem when they went all in on the child tax credit without knowing yeah. that they could sustain it. Uh, yeah. And so that, so that put money got pulled away. You know, so there's so there's just, there's some. There, I'm, I'm not saying I, I don't give the Biden presidency you know an A plus plus. Like there there are mistakes, no. but every presidency has mistakes. There's no perfect presidency. Uh, but you, you still look at the overall picture. I mean, here, here's this goes beyond just the economic question. If if I was mm-hmm. Joe Biden, what I would do? Sure. I think the biggest distinction between Biden and Trump is that Biden gets up every day thinking about. What can I do for the American people? And every day, Donald, gets, Donald Trump gets up and says, what can America do for me? What can the world do for me? Trump is inherently a narcissist, you know, on steroids. And you can take almost any, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go into a big digression. I apologize. <laughs> uh, after October 7th. Yeah. Four days after October 7th. Donald Trump goes to West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach has one of the highest concentration. A lot of Jews. A lot of Jews. I'm, I'm, I'm from, from South Florida. A lot of Jews. A lot of Jews okay. in Boca. And not, which, if it's the highest percentage of Jews in America, it's the highest percentage of Jews in the world outside Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he goes there and he says, uh, we have to stand with Israel. But there was this one time you know, that Israel didn't make me too happy. Yeah. And he tells this story about how he's he was doing the military operation to take out the Iranian general uh, Soleimani. Soleimani, yeah. Uh, and uh, he was working with Netanyahu. And then at the last minute, Netanyahu calls and says, we don't want to do it. He pulls out. And then Trump's like, I don't know, what am I supposed to do? And he goes to the American general and say, what should I do? And the American general says, oh, sir, we can do whatever you say, sir. We can we can still do this. And so Trump uh, makes the order, makes the call to take out Soleimani, and he takes him out. And then the next day, Netanyahu steals the credit. And Trump says, oh, that didn't make me feel too good that Netanyahu did that. Now, so there's three things to say about this story. Number one, 
It wasn't true that Israel pulled out of the operation. They're never in the operation. Uh, they all, they fed some intelligence, but they're never part of the military operation. Yeah. Number two, the day after the operation, Netanyahu talks to the press and says, Donald Trump deserves all the credit. Yeah. Literally. It's like he never took the credit. Um, so Donald Trump, four days after the worst uh, violence on the Jewish people since the Holocaust goes to West Palm Beach to tell easily disprovable lies about the Israeli prime minister. Why would anyone do that? I mean, there's no political upside to doing that. There's no obvious here. This is certainly going to improve my poll numbers if I do this. Then it's just my interpretation. He is so narcissistic. He cannot stand any news event occurring to somebody else that's not about him, and he has to make it about him. So my overall point here is that there, there is a, I think, a resonant truth to say that Biden thinks about everybody else. Agree or disagree with them. You, you don't have to yeah. prove everything he likes, but he's trying to do things for you, and Trump is always trying to do things about for him. And so if you can really crystallize that in your messaging – that kind of sands down the rough edges about, well, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. OK, but I get overall where he's trying to take me. And I can't trust that Donald Trump's going to do anything for me because he never did anything about me before. I mean, look, the, the the reality of Donald Trump is something that as I'm trying to steel man both campaigns of how you would run and how you would attack the other side. When it comes to Biden, I'm kind of of half a mind to say, no, you need to focus on your story. Donald Trump is priced in. Like, like there's nobody that's going to have a new opinion about Donald Trump. We, he is the most covered person on the planet. He is the most famous human on the planet since 2016. He was an internationally known person before he then became infinitely more famous. People have well baked in their opinions on whether or not he is a moral person, whether or not he is a liar, whether or not he is a thief, whether or not he has transgressed the law and whether or not any of that matters to them, because the reality of him getting elected in 2016 is that the last group of the Republican electorate that he needed to woo were the evangelicals. They were the last holdouts of the the, the, the Ted Cruz people. It's the reason why Mike Pence became his VP. But eventually they came and they voted for him. Now, why would evangelicals vote for a literal Bible villain? Somebody for whom has uh, talked about materialism and wealth and traded wives and literally sits on a golden toilet. This is the, the, the exact mold of everybody that's a bad guy in the Bible because he did the thing. He said, don't elect somebody that's like you. Elect somebody that'll fight for you. That's that. When it comes to Israel, for example, like I, I don't know if there is anything that will matter from that perspective, except to say American strength matters or or or, or anything like that from from a an American electorate perspective. Although for Biden, you know, and let's let's uh, move this back to him. I do think. I don't think that the progressive angst over Gaza will necessarily affect this election. I do think that it is a larger coalitional problem going forward, uh, that that the underpinning 
uh, uh, tectonic plates of that matter more than whether or not somebody will vote for Joe Biden or, or, or you know, stay home. Uh, but here we're, 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 we're getting to the end. So I want to move on to a real real, real okay. quick to sorry. Finish up here and then I want to talk about I it. I respond to one thing that you're saying earlier that, every, that everything's sort of baked in on Trump. And I yeah. don't I don't quite agree with that. OK, um, for a lot of people, it is for a lot of people. This whole thing is baked. I mean, you would never consider flipping from Biden or Trump. That's probably true for most Americans. But yes, but there still is a swing. I mean, again, in that polling average, there's not a lot of movement, but there's a little movement. Yeah, uh, and that's where and this is and this is a closely divided country. So a little movement might have big repercussions and it's pretty easy. We, there's a certain human nature about romanticizing the past. So when so and Donald Trump is trying to do it himself, you know, when I was president, everything was perfect. The economy was gangbusters. The world was at peace as if there's no problems you weren't like literally uh, having palpable anxiety every day. Oh, my God, what's he going to do next? <laughs> you know, he's yeah. trying to make you forget all that. Um, and Biden's the guy in the crucible right now. So all of his negatives are really in your face. So it still is imperative on Biden to make this a binary choice, not just a referendum on, on him. And you do have not just remind folks of past weaknesses, but I think you have to put it into a larger context, uh, which is which is why I think boiling it down to I care about you. He cares about himself, I think, is a is a start is a is a sort of a founding principle to hang all your other messaging around. Yeah, uh, uh, I do think it opens you up to some of the the. You know, uh, the, the the aim of what the congressional Republicans want to do in terms of some of the international graph stuff with Hunter. But let's let's move on for a second, because uh, uh, we are not being paid by Biden 24 to do his exact <laughs> messaging age. Yeah, this is a big thing, at least in all of my conversations abroad. It, it's it's not every other conversation that I had with with other people in media and, and stuff like that that I met in London. It was every conversation, the the conversation about Joe Biden being mentally competent to be president is uh, uh, at the top of mind. And, you know, unless whatever's cooking in China right now turns into a covid to electric boogaloo and we lock everything down again, Joe Biden's going to be have to have to be out and about more than he was in 2020 when he was able to do a lot of stuff on Zoom and he made mistakes there. Give me your anxiety from from zero to 10 on Joe Biden's age becoming more of an issue as we go forward toward November. Well, it's going to be. I mean, there's no way it's not going to be an issue. I mean, Trump's going to prosecute it mercilessly. Uh, I, I, I meant to be a little surprised because I feel like in this past month, Biden has been out and about, has been very public with no signs of dementia. I mean, he, he's spoken very cogently and confidently about everything going on in, in the Middle East. He's been directly involved in the hostage negotiations. And you may not like what he has done, uh, but I don't think there's been any argument that like he doesn't know where he is as he's performing yeah. these tasks. Uh, but he does look and feel and sound old. He always sounds yes. a little tired and raspy. Uh, and I think it makes people unsettled that you, know, you is, is this guy literally d- decaying in front of our eyes. Uh, so it's not saying that Biden can pretend doesn't exist. He's going to have to mm-hmm. deal with it head on. I don't, I don't think a few jokes here and there really cut it. Uh, I think you have to be fully candid about it. For example, I would do an ad 
where Joe Biden is like getting out of bed and maybe like doing a little voiceover as you see him get out of bed. And he's yeah. like, you know, and again, these aren't the exact proper words, but you know, but like, sure, sure, sure. you know, aging's a bitch, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you're just a little bit stiffer in the morning, you know, yeah. you don't quite sound the same uh, as you used to. It's a little harder to enunciate the words as clearly as you used to, especially for a stutterer like me. You know, I, I feel it. Uh, but, uh, but I know what this job takes. I know how hard this job is. I know the energy level that's involved in doing it. And I get up and do it every day. Uh, and why do I do it? I do it for you. Now, you could also do, do a version of that where you're showing, you know, Donald Trump now and then. You, yeah. you look at Donald Trump in his four, four he sounds much different than what he sounds today. It's not It's not the same. Oh, kind yeah. of, that's, that's not the same kind of tired raspiness, but there's sort of a, there, there's more of an unhinged quality today than there was 30 years well, ago. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny you mentioned that Donald Trump is going to persecute this mercilessly because he really has it. I mean, like uh, uh, Trump has has stuck on the idea that Joe Biden's incompetent. Joe Biden's an idiot. Joe Biden is ruining the country because of this, that and the other. But I think he's sensitive to the idea that he's also old and yeah. they've, I, they've I, really I, kept him. I mean, it's it, it's not a basement in Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster, wherever he's shooting those three camera videos where he rambles for 10 minutes about some uh, policy position. but. He hasn't been uh, out in the same kind of way. Maybe that changes. He kicks it up for Iowa and New Hampshire. But uh, up till this point, he's been more, more, uh, you know, picky and choosy. I think you could run straight negative ads on Trump, blah, blah, before and after stuff to be with the talent. You know, what happened to Donald Trump Uh, for for nothing else? Just to blur the issue, just to make it more of an even Steven thing where age is not strictly a negative on Biden. Uh, and we're and we're Trump is going to deny, deny, deny. But I'm like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm getting older. I know I, 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 you're getting older. I'm getting older. We all hate it. It sucks. We, we can't. Our body doesn't cooperate the way that it used to. But, you know, you can I mean, you might even have other people who are like 65, like working in their yard, like saying the same kind of thing, talking about their own sort of physical frustration. But like, but I know I can do the job still. I know I can do it. I know I still got what it takes. Show that kind of toughness that's involved. Uh, but but it's got to pair up to you know realities on the ground. I mean, if the economy's falling yeah. apart, this is all for naught. You have to be able to say like, I got us through these tough times, and now things are on the up and up because I stuck with it, because I I, I have the energy to continue doing this job at, at the full capacity. It really does come down to that, doesn't it? That, that we're one weird bubble of, you know, credit card debt or commercial real estate or something like that away from just this being an absolute, uh, uh, you know, Mad Max irradiated hellscape of an election. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I mean, you never know if a curveball is going to come, but, you know, most yeah. of the, I mean, and great, there are all these professional economists saying a recession is going to come, recession is going to come, and now they're not saying that. Now, maybe, yeah. maybe they're wrong yeah. now, or it's going to come, but uh, I feel like most things are pointing in a good direction at the moment. They are. They are. And, uh, you know, everything but people's actual thoughts on the economy are, are, uh, are, are, are rebounding, but we will see whether or not that changes. Mr. Bill share, uh, where can people find more of your work? Uh, well, I'm politics editor at the Washington monthly. I should note, uh, our founding editor, Charlie Peters, uh, passed away on Thanksgiving at the age of 96. Um, there's been two editors in chief of the Washington monthly, uh, Charlie Peters and now Paul Glastris. Charlie did for 32 years. Paul's been on the job for 20, 22 years. Uh, 
And uh, we're still going strong. And so there's been a lot of remembrances about Charlie on our website mm-hmm. these days. And so if you're not familiar with them, it's a great chance to get to get to know what he's been about and how much influence he's had on the whole uh, magazine industry in his life. So, um, yeah. so we're going to live up to that legacy every day. Well, there we go. Go ahead and check out the Washington Monthly. Bill, thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, politics, politics has been written and recorded by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show was edited by me. I'm back. I want to get my hands on. I want to get my hands dirty. Salute to Brett Stewart, though. Uh, Brett was really the quarterback throughout all of our guest episodes. And... uh, you know, to, to give to give your old boy a little time off. Oh my lord, such a uh, such a gift. px3guest.com is where you can thank Bill Share for coming on the show. You know, look, I, I'm going to do this stuff real quick. Uh, the Young American at gmail.com is the email. Find us on Twitter, px3 tweets, and. Uh, you know, share the podcast, PX3 podcast, head on over to take politicsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts each and every week. Our Titanic $10 tier is as follows. Ye old pinball shop. John DP for bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy Mack and vote Gloria young for King of the new world order. Brian Edison, Jeremy dog name checkers, Sarah, Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, Neil is nerdiness. Charles, Darren, Idris, Arslanian, Berkeley, Stephen, nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D laser, Nick, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Jen, D really chopper, Andrew, Adam L and Gloria, my mom sign up at the $10 tier. Get your name right at the end of the show. Uh, normally I do a little bit more of a production for that, but I want to take the end of this show to tell a little story. You know, there was a point in my life where I believed that I was a failure. Not in any kind of, you know, cosmic sense in my life. I thought I was doing okay. I was okay with the decisions that I made in my life. But I looked at the experience that I got through college. And I wondered whether or not I'd made the right decisions to really, really, really focus on the internet. And not go to a larger organization and get a byline and blah, 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 blah. And what saved me from that is community. The one thing that was special then and is special now is that the internet community that we have gathered, not only on this show, but also on all the other shows that I do, Great Night, We're Not Wrong, Daily Tech News Show, the great folks on on the morning stream when I was a guest, a weekly guest host there. Um, th- 
that experience was always something that friends of mine who were in great professional positions would be jealous of. And, you know, they would call you guys fans. And while, you know, appreciation is part of it, you're not a fan. You're a community member. Many of you are. And I got word yesterday that one of our greatest community members, his name was Patrick, but most people in our little Diamond Club community, that's what you hear at the end of all of my shows, is Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. Before I had a production company with Dog and Pony Show, I had a community, and that's why that tag goes first. Time Jumper was a working professional. He is somebody that made good money doing good work. But he loved internet content. And he supported internet creators in a way that changed lives. Not because he would give people enough money that... They would, you know, be able to live forever. You know, he wasn't that rich. But he would give enough money that you knew that your content was worth it. And beyond the money, he would show up with enthusiasm and love. Time Jumper came to Austin a couple years ago. And I don't think he'd seen our house yet. And so he was seeing our house. He sat with me on the back porch. We lit up cigars. I think we had a little whiskey poured out. And I was like, oh, you want to hear something secret? I played him World's Greatest Con. At that point, something that we were doing our absolute level best to keep very, very secret. And he listened for an hour intently. Didn't fidget, didn't look at his phone. He just sat there and appreciated it. And I don't think that I could do that. I don't think Brian, who I work, you know, is, is you know, my co-creator on World's Greatest Con. I don't think he could do that. And that's our show. But Time Jumper did. Because Time Jumper really, really loved it. He loved the community. He loved all of us. We knew that he was going into surgery. My wife was in contact with him while we were in Europe. And he had gotten out of surgery. And he was talking about how his doctors thought everything was great. And I found out last night, Monday night, that Patrick Time Jumper had died. So this is partly a eulogy in a medium for which I know he would appreciate. 
to people that I know who are listening right now will appreciate. But it is also a celebration of something that I know he loved. He loved people creating. He loved people sharing their passion. He loved people making. And I think he, like so many of us, were enamored by the fact that when you create, when you express yourself, a crowd gathers. And sometimes it's not the biggest crowd. Sometimes it's three or four people. But you want to know what? Those are three or four people that wouldn't get together if you didn't decide to wake up and do something. And so that's the thought that I'm going to keep in my head when it comes to Time Jumper. Have the courage to create. That wraps it up for us today. Till next time. Some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics and still more discuss politics. But this is the only show that dares discuss all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.